You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. Welcome to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to take a look there. There's a couple verses we'll hit before we get to that one, but that's one that we can look at together, and we'll have some other verses for you to, uh, to follow along. We begin this new series, as Pastor Josh said, and as Ashley introduced, that uh, the cartoon life. I uh, grew up in the 80s. Anybody else with me? You grew up in the, the 80s, and uh, we enjoyed uh, some cartoons, and, and uh, it was a Saturday ritual. Now, if you're, maybe you're like me, you grew up in the 80s, or maybe you're a mom or a dad of someone who grew up in the 80s, and, and, uh, or maybe you were a teenager and passed that in the 80s, I don't know, wherever you fell in the 80s, but uh, it was the Saturday thing that Saturday mornings were reserved, Saturday mornings were reserved for cartoons. That was the only time you could watch them. We didn't have Nickelodeon and Disney Channel and things all week long. You had Saturday morning, a window of opportunity. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the only time you could catch He-Man. That was the only time, that was yours too? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, one of those that we would we enjoy watching. I really can't remember all of them. There were some that I'm wondering how they even got on there. It wasn't a cartoon, but Pee-wee's Playhouse. Not sure how that one even, even made it onto the screen and uh, all that stuff in the, in the, uh, the 80s. And they weren't, it wasn't necessarily the cartoon, but we, of course, enjoyed. I would wake up in the morning. I would always wake up before mom and dad. And the reason was, you know, uh, not because I love getting up early, uh, but it was a day off and I didn't want to waste it. So I would wake up and I knew that you only had so much time to watch cartoons because come 11 or 12 o'clock, you know what I'm talking about, then it's, it's all the, the other stuff, you know, real people whatever that is, I don't know, adult stuff, you know, there's the news and all the other stuff that follows. So you only had that window of opportunity. So I'd wake up and I would uh, go into the kitchen, I would pour my Quisp cereal. Anybody remember the alien, marsh, the, the alien on the uh, cereal box, Quisp? Nobody? No, that was my favorite. I, I don't even know if they still make that or not. I'd pour a bowl of Quisp and I would go into the living room and I would watch the cartoons. I, I, of course, there was the Bugs Bunny and the stuff like that. And, and uh, one of the things that I would have to say, um, I caught the, as a dad, the end or the beginning, I don't know what part, but the Rugrats, but I don't care who the Rugrats are, Muppet Babies are still better than the Rugrats. And so the, the 80s brought us Muppet Babies and they still did way better than the, the rug, Rugrats. There's no other 80 babies here? We're just the 80? Okay, there's a couple of us. All right. That was the, the uh, of course, something that you would, you would watch and, and we would enjoy and I would experience those things, and you understand this morning as we start this new series called The Cartoon Life, that a cartoon with, with understanding has a skewed perspective of reality. It's a skewed perspective of what truth and what reality is. You, you understand, Mr. Wiley Coyote, you can't fall off a cliff and then get in the head with an anvil and then just shake with stars for a couple seconds and then get up and keep running again. That's not real. In, in fact, it's, it's not real, Bugs Bunny, that you can carry a, a, a portable hole, you know, or a escape in your pocket and just pull that black circle out and jump in the hole and go away. I wish that worked. Tom and Jerry, you can't just take a bat and hit each other, and then the only thing that happens is they just shake a little bit, the other person grabs the bat and then chases you with it. I tried that with my sister. It didn't quite go where she picked the bat and chased me. Mom got the bat, and mom chased me. That was worse. 
we understand that cartoons aren't the, the reality. It's a skewed perspective of, of what is real. Cartoons exaggerate or completely ignore reality. When you, you look at the cartoons, it, it can exaggerate the reality or completely ignore it. In fact, we want to show you a couple pictures. We have Michael with us, uh, uh, who is uh, with us. And uh, uh, Michael, I don't know if you're in here. Where's uh, Michael? Uh, Michael's waving in the back. Would you give hand, a hand to Michael? He is our artist for the day. Thanks so much for being here, Michael. Uh, Michael has uh, helped us out. Maybe you noticed as you came in, uh, he was in the uh, the welcome center there uh, doing some characters. And so there's some folks that we've, we've hung some uh, pictures up there. But he created some of these for us. And you see, this is an exaggeration of reality. This is not, this isn't real. Although someone said that looks good, to which I was offended. That does not look good. I did not realize how many cheeks and chins I carry. I need to grow more of a beard to cover them all up. You know, the goatee covers the chins, but I got to bring it to the other side. Uh, here's uh, another one. Uh, of course, uh, this one is, is uh, a lot of fun. Of course, Pastor Josh is holding uh, Pastor Bill there, and so there's his picture. But then we have here the wonderful deacons of Faith Assembly. Rich Jeffries, Michael Bice, Louie, and Marty. There they are. I don't even know if these guys are here, but uh, uh, thank you, Michael, for uh, helping us out with that. <laughs> Maybe before you leave today, you can stop by. We'd love to have your mugshot and use that. No, we won't use it. We'll, uh, we'll just hang it up for people to enjoy. In the series over the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be asking ourselves, are we living the cartoon life? We have to be honest and recognize that we have exaggerated or ignored the truth of God's word and have settled sometimes for a make-believe type living. We have ignored the truth of what God's word says and we have settled for a make-believe and we're living a cartoon life instead of the reality of what God has called us to live in. The scripture in 2 Timothy 4.4. You don't have to turn there. It's on the screen. But the word of the Lord says this. And Paul speaking to Timothy. And speaking about the last days. He says they will reject the truth. And chase after myths. Church we live in such a world today. He says in the last days. They will reject the truth. And run after or chase after myths. That our world in this culture. Is in this process of living a cartoon life. Paul's giving Timothy a picture of what things are going to look like in the last day. And how many think Paul gave a pretty good description of what it would look like in these last days? This is the place that we're in. I understand we can't change when God says this is how it's going to be. I understand we can't change that. But we press on because we have this desire. And that is that we would be saved as well as those around who, to whom God has called us to preach the gospel. But ultimately, your salvation is not hinged upon me or upon your parents or anyone else around you, your salvation depends solely on your decision alone and what you will do with Jesus Christ. Your salvation's not connected to anything else. It's not connected to your church attendance. It's not connected to how much money you give to the church. It's not connected to, to what you've done in the church. It's not connected to how much you talk about God because it's a lot easier to talk about God. We're good at talking about it. The difficulty is sometimes the living it out. And in this life of this cartoon living, recognizing what the world is in and what we sometimes have adapted to our culture is living in a, the cartoon life, this make-believe instead of the truth. But I want to ask us today, have we joined them? I don't want to, we're not here to beat each other up. 
But I think it's only healthy for us to acknowledge and say, yes, we have adapted some cartoon life living as well. We have adapted some of our own make-believe and perceptions that we have allowed to filter in to the way we live our life, to the way we have our relationship with Jesus Christ. There are those things that we have sometimes filtered in. The enemy's greatest tool is deception. Over and over, the Bible refers to being aware of the last days, don't be deceived, and, and challenging us not to allow deception to come into our lives. And this, this deception that the any, enemy wants to rule us with, the, the, uh, the word decep- deception just simply means this, or to deceive, is to mislead by false appearance or statement. You can look, this has a, has a representation of reality, but it's not reality. I really don't look like that. Please tell me I really don't look like that. <laughs> Just make me feel good. It's a perception. It's not reality. In our lives, the enemy's desire, of course, is to deceive us. Truth becomes distorted, and when we allow truth to be distorted, it creates a new, a new reality that surrounds us. We live in our new reality. We live in our own perception. It's one thing, listen to this, it's one thing to intentionally deceive others. It is another thing to be ignorantly deceived yourself. Think about that. It's one thing to intentionally deceive other people. It's another thing to be ignorantly deceived yourself. You become a dangerous person when you deceive others, but you become a deadly person when you deceive yourself. Catch the difference here. You can mislead others. You can mislead others or deceive others and still know the truth, but the moment yourself has been deceived or misled, you have lost sight of what all truth is. The moment yourself has been deceived, and how many know the reality? It's one thing, of course, to deceive others. You become a dangerous person when you can deceive other people, but you become deadly when you're good at deceiving yourself. And sometimes, we can be so caught up in deception that we deceive ourselves and the moment we become deceived is the moment that truth is out the window and we have made up our own truth. There's no longer an absolute of what God's word is. We have made up our own rules and our own perspective and our own understanding of what truth is and we have become deceived. Welcome to the American church. The average in the American, and I, again, please, this is not a message of, you know, stomp on toes, hurt. No, this is, uh, there, there, there is a place that in order to allow health to come, we have to address the things we don't like to address. In order to get healthy, you got to address the sickness. In order to do better, you got to address what's not working. And there are things that in each of us that we, all of us, have to acknowledge and really ask ourselves, am I living a make-believe, a cartoon life? Have I allowed deception to come in and to enter in? The enemy, of course, desiring that process and that work that he wants to do in our lives. This morning, we want to begin with this topic of the real me. And you see that we have the, uh, the, the spelling of the real and, and uh, kind of the screen uh, uh, word of, of that real. Uh, Pastor Josh was sharing a couple of weeks ago as we were talking about this series and getting it started, pulled up a picture of uh, President uh, Obama's uh, inaugural uh, dance when he was uh, at the, the dance with uh, he and Mrs. Obama and they're dancing and you see the sea of people that are there but as they're on the platform you don't see the heads of people you see everybody's phones held up in the air and everybody is watching real life through their screen. They're watching real life through their cameras as they're taking pictures or they're taking video and so much of our life is lived through the screen and through lived through the, the, the access of the, the video, the media and even 
even to the point sometimes where we can live our lives through the social media that allows us to cover up and ignore some realities and ignore some truths. We can get caught up in the Facebook, the Twitters, and those things that we can have and be consumed and allow ourselves to feel good based on who's following us, based on who's making comments, based on who likes what, who's saying what, what encouragement there is. And that can sometimes become such a part of a filtering in our lives that we have a misrepresentation of reality and we're living through a media and not the truth of what it is. It's realized under, with, without a doubt that you can have a thousand and some friends on your Facebook, but that's not true. You can't have a thousand and some friends. It's not reality. It's, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that we've caught, been caught up in a culture that we, we, live, we live through media. We live through other things and we sometimes don't address the reality of what's really going on in our lives. That we don't address and sometimes we allow those things to be a cover-up. We allow those things to, to, to be caught in, in just the, the things that we spend our lives worrying and, and desiring. I, I had a personal encounter with that. It was a couple years ago. In fact, when I was with Youth Alive, and I was about ready to make a post and uh, just send something on my Facebook. And as I did, the Holy Spirit checked me. And the Holy Spirit literally read me. And it wasn't hard to do. I had to face it. The Holy Spirit said, who do you want to read this? And I knew, I want people to read this so they think this about me. And the Holy Spirit checked me and I had to not send what I was going to send because I knew what I was saying was putting myself in a place that I wanted to create a perception or create an opinion and create a thought and wanted people to think or to see and perceive something of a nature. And I had to be careful because if that's the motivation, then I've got to be, I've got to be honest and say that's not a healthy place to find my satisfaction or find my approval or to find my place. I've just got to be real. And I think sometimes even in the church world, we got to be real and ask ourselves, are we living in a cartoon make believe are we being real and identifying the reality that surrounds us rather than saying oh that's how everybody does it I get called on the spot when the Holy Spirit says but I didn't call you to be everybody because if we just be everybody we're just going to experience what everybody experiences and what everybody's experiencing is not always what God wants he wants a Joshua and a Caleb that'll rise up and see something different that'll not respond to what has been the norm and has what been the common or the usual but to say this is the will of God and the way of God and I want to live my life according to what God's word is and what God's perspective is hear me this morning those things are not wrong I still have you know Facebook and I actually do have Twitter I don't even use it I'm not cool enough I know I'm working on it I'll be cool like Pastor Josh one day you know have all that down there's nothing wrong with that but I think we just have to be careful and really ask ourselves I think all of us in this room and let's be honest that those of us that have a Facebook account and have done things we'd have to be honest and say there were times I, in wrong motivation, expose certain things. You say, well, that's not nice. That's gonna make everybody feel bad. No, it's everybody being honest so that we can say, God, here's some stuff we really acknowledge and we don't wanna just live in a cartoon life. We wanna live in the reality of what your life is, of what you have called us to be, what you have called us to do. I just think it's good every once in a while to be honest and say, God, keep my motivations in check. Keep my heart in the right place. Keep my, my heart in my mind. And we live through those things. Are we a cartoon character in a made-up world or are we facing reality? 
Are you a made up version of yourself or are you working through your weaknesses? Because how you address your weaknesses determines or your points of problems determines whether or not you're living in reality. Reality does not ignore problems. That's called a cartoon. It's a cartoon life whenever you can ignore that there's problems and somehow think, well, I'll just wash in the end and I'll be fine. But reality says, hey, I've got to take responsibility for this. I've got to own responsibility in this, this area, this, this place. This morning, we want to begin this, this series, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but before we do Galatians, uh, Galatians 6, 7, you don't have to turn there, it's on the screen, but here's what the word says. Uh, Paul is giving the Galatians a word of encouragement. And he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We understand with this word that God, he, he's saying here that you might be able to, to deceive others and you might even be good enough to deceive yourself, but you will never deceive God. You might be able to pull the wool over someone else's eye. You can fool me. I could fool you. You could fool your spouse. We could deceive each other. We could deceive other people. We could even deceive ourselves and, and create our own sense of reality. But God will never be mocked. He'll never be fooled. You will never pull one over God. He keeps good record and good account. He, the Bible says that whatever you reap or whatever you sow, that will you reap. Whatever it is that you, that you sow in, whatever it is that you do, you, in whatever it is that you give in life, in your actions, you will reap according to those actions and you will reap what you sow. God keeps good record regardless of what you wish, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you believe. God keeps record of, of those things and one day we will stand before God and we will give an account of all the things we've done. How about this one? Every idle word. Ah, never going to speak again. <laughs> it's not something, of course, to cause a, a, a paranoia, but it is something to put in check and say, God, help me to guard every word. Help me to guard these things and to keep in check and live according to what your word is speaking, what it is that you're saying in my life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 9 to 11. Here's what the Word of God says. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now listen, this is not one of those scriptures where we have to, hmm, I wonder what the author was saying here. Let's, 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 let's break this down, put it in context, and see what he's really saying. Uh, it's blunt. It's evident. You don't have to worry about it. It is what it is, and this is what the Word of God is saying do you not realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves or don't be deceived. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or proactive homosexuality or, or practice homosexuality all or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by the calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad he didn't leave it with a hopeless matter, but he said you once were that, but you're made new. But in the context or, or in the, the full full picture here we have to understand that the word of God says that there are certain practices there are practices that are evil and ungodly that are not permitted in the kingdom of God they are not permitted in the kingdom of God Jonathan I'm going to ask you to stay back there when you come back in okay be seated in the back so we're not coming up and down the aisle thank you in this matter in our lives we have to understand the context that God will not permit those things. 
It's not one of those things we have to wonder, we have to question. He says that we're not to be deceived. And the enemy's desire, of course, is to bring deception. The enemy's desire is to bring a deception and bring a weight to come against us. But we've got to hold on and keep in mind and know the truth of God's word and allow God's truth to not cause us to be caught among those deceived, but those living the truth. And so here this morning, I'm going to ask us to let ourselves be vulnerable this morning and be real, to acknowledge some things in our lives and be real to say, hey, I need the Holy Spirit to work in these areas to deal with the real me. Amen? So Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help our hearts to be quickened by your Spirit, to be responsive to what your Spirit would say, and Lord, to honor and please you. Lord, we ask God that you would bless this time as we share together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. There is no doubt a culture and a a place around us that uh, that has created a cartoon type living if you watch looney tunes and any looney tune uh, watchers you you know the the looney tunes there's there's a character on there that quite frankly early or you know a couple times like oh that's fun that's cute but even after a while that character just gets on my nerves too becomes obnoxious and annoying and it's peppy le pew <laughs> peppy le pew just doesn't get it i mean here he is He's, he's a Paris cat, or skunk, not cat. He's a Paris skunk. <laughs> yeah, uh, if I offer you a cat, don't take it. <laughs> I got this just for you. It needs a home. Uh, Pepe Le Pew, is a, he's, a, he's a Paris skunk who just wants to express love. He loves, he loves, and he wants to express love, and he, he finds this, this certain one that he wants to express his love to, and it's Penelope, and Pe- Penelope is a cat who happened to have a white stripe painted on her. And so Pepe Le Pew doesn't even know what he's going after. He doesn't, he's, he's, he's not even in the right, right perspective. He's, he doesn't even have things in the right place. He's going after something that's not even, not even real because it's a, a painted stripe. It's not reality. And in our, in our lives, sometimes we, we practice the same. But the same thing that uh, Pepe Le Pew had is that he had two problems. The girl, the cat that he ran after had a painted stripe. And two, he stunk. <laughs> but the problem with his odor is that he didn't recognize it as a problem. As this cat, who he thought was a skunk, who happened to be just a white paint on the back of a black cat, would come around and could not stand it because he stunk. And so she would run away and try to get away. And Pepe Le Pew just had no thought that, hey, it could be him. There's something he ought to change. It's something when there are things around and we smell to everybody else, but to us, everything's good. I'm good. I mean, it's one thing when you deceive other people. It's a dangerous thing when you deceive yourself that everything's fine in this place and in this area. And Pepe Le Pew, of course, didn't, didn't acknowledge this, this situation. His odor affected everybody but himself. What was his weakness was never, never became addressed. And because it was never addressed, it was not even an issue to him. It was something that he didn't even make an issue I heard it said one time, everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves. 
Everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change themselves. Everybody wants Fayette County, believes that God can turn Fayette County around, that the drug epidemic of poverty or the, the situation in broken homes and the things that we have, everybody wants to see things turn around. Can I tell you the power of God cannot manifest on the outside what we do not allow him to manifest on the inside. Until we give way and allow him to do a work on the inside, it will not produce or do anything on the outside. You can pray all you want. You can fast, you can sing, you can have worship, you can do it just this way and do everything you want. But until you say inside your spirit, Holy Spirit, have your way and let him have control, nothing's going to happen. You can't sing your way into moving God. The only thing that moves God is faith. What is faith? Faith is the act of obedience. That, you, that, that when you act in obedience and offer and surrender yourself to God, only in that is God able to move. God doesn't move in our singing of worship. He move, he's moving in our life of worship, in our action of worship, in the life that we live, in the, in the things that carry out in our lives. The cartoon me plays down or ignores my weaknesses but the real me addresses my weaknesses according to the word of God. You see, the cartoon me plays down and pretends as it's really not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. In fact, I know other people who deal with things worse than this. Well, that's a sure way to have hope. Hope does not mean my problem is not as bad as everybody else's. Hope means my life is not identified by my problems, but by the one in whom I have believed. That my hope is not because I'm better than so-and-so. My hope is not because I don't have it as bad as. My hope is not because it's not in this situation or hasn't reached that problem. This deception. You see, deception is a process that when we let it go, it becomes difficult to rebound from. It's a difficulty to, to come back from because it, it's something that continues on and on and only causes our eyes to be more blind in the process. There's some obvious deceptions in our culture and in our world. There's a deception. There are deceptions that easily come into the church that we've got to be real and acknowledge. And I don't know, you know, just the, the certain things that we've adapted or culture has allowed and said, but I want you to know that sex outside of marriage Sex not honoring God and not living for God and doing, doing it, not caring in our lives the, the way that would honor God. I want you to know it doesn't matter if you're a Christian teenager and you think, well, I'll just fall off course for a while and get back later. I want you to know it's a myth that says you can spend the night with anybody and not hurt anyone in the process. It's a make-believe. It's a make-believe that our culture has said, hey, it's not that big of a deal. Quite frankly, the Bible says it's a very big deal. And in the church, if you're not married, if you're not honoring God, if you're, if you're not in that relationship of, of, of a marriage relationship, according to the word of God, it is immorality. It's not right. It's not what we should practice. The word of God will not change. It doesn't matter which way you try to argue it. And of course, all the things that we read there of the, the, uh, the, the sin that is not permitted into the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter if you label it being drunk or if you label it being slanderous or greedy or homosexual or sexual 
sexual morality doesn't matter what you put in there because our culture has tried to create this thing that because it's been in my generation, I can't help it. I've been an alcoholic in generations and so I really can't help it. And it's sometimes easy in the church that we create, we create excuses or, or ways that says, well, we can't help it. It's not that, that, that it's not something we can take control of. The truth is only halfway there. It is true. We cannot take control of it, but we can relinquish control to one who is greater than us because the Bible still says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. This world does not have a greater influence, but the power and the presence of God is greater than this world. It is temptation to speak when you shouldn't. It is temptation to look at what you shouldn't look at. It is temptation to hear what you shouldn't be hearing. It is temptation. It is all those things. But he has given a way of escape. So quit being foolish and living in a make-believe world that says, oh, everybody's got this problem. This is just how it is today. Well, this is how we are. And it weakens us in our state and in where we are. We have justified and created this place. We've created this place, and, and, and this is not a, a, a matter of judgment. This is a matter of us, let's be real. It's, it's very hypocritical for us to say we want God's blessing, we want God to move, but yet we'll keep doing it our way and according to our standards and according to what we want. Your home will not be blessed if you don't do your home the way God says to do it. Your finances will not be blessed if you don't honor God the way he says to honor your finances. Your, your marriage and all those things in our lives will not have the blessing of God if we don't honor God in the life and the decisions that we make. Deception is a process that comes in and wants to overtake us. I'm going to ask Manny to come to the piano as we close this morning. This cartoon life, living in a world of make-believe. I'll give you a couple things real quick of how this life, this deception takes place. How many have ever heard of Jacob and Esau? Jacob and Esau, famous Babies in the beginning with Genesis. The sons of Isaac. Isaac, of course, has a promise that's passed on from Abraham. And here's Jacob and Esau. And Jacob is always trying to outdo his older brother. He's pretty good at it. His name, Jacob, does mean deceiver. So he's been pretty good at deceiving his brother. But you think he's good? He obviously learned it from his mother. Because in Genesis 27, Isaac is preparing to die. Now that wasn't a bash on all the moms. I'm just saying what's in the Bible. I got a couple looks after that. It's getting hot up here. Wow. I just felt that immediately. Holy Spirit, it's in this place. Woo! If I had a jacket... I'd take that off. So follow the story here according to what the Bible says in Genesis 27. And in Genesis chapter 27, Isaac is about ready to prepare his passing. And so he's wanting to set things in order. And he's leaving a blessing. That's what, what you did. He left his blessing, his inheritance. And he gave a blessing to his son Esau. He calls Esau in and he says to Esau, Hey, I'm going to give you a blessing. But so that I can give you a blessing, go out to the field, take your bow and arrow, hunt a game, uh, an animal, come back in, and then make my favorite dish. And when you make my favorite dish, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you everything. Wow. Esau's pretty excited. His dad's about all he needs to do. I mean, think about this, men. It doesn't quite appeal to me, but a lot of you guys would get this. Dad says, go hunt. 
get your favorite game and after you're done hunting come in make a meal and I'm going to give you everything I have you get to go hunting and get all the good stuff me I'd be like can we go to the pirates game and then I'll come back and I don't like to hunt but I don't know uh, I'll eat your deer bologna but I ain't going to shoot it myself just saying Esau's going out and he's taking care of it. All of a sudden, Rebecca overhears. And so Rebecca, the mom, steps in and says, hey, Jacob, come here. Jacob runs in and says, yeah, mom, what's up? And he's, he's the pretty boy. You know, he's the stay-at-home son. He, he's mama's boy. And what's up, mom? You know, we're going to make a cake together. Let's go, mom. You know, I'm not going to honey. Let's bake a cake. And mom says, hey, dad's about ready to give your brother a blessing. But if you go out to the pen and get me one of those animals, I'll make a dish and you can give it to your dad and he'll bless you. Jacob replies this way. Jacob doesn't say, mom, that would be wrong or, you know, I shouldn't do that. Jacob says, but he's hairy. I'm smooth. That's Jacob's response. Jacob says, he's got hairy skin. I've got smooth skin. Dad's going to, it would appear, and here's what he says, it would appear to dad that I'm trying to trick him. Notice he said, it would appear to dad. Does anyone find that interesting? That he says, it would appear to dad that I'm trying to trick him. Uh, Hello, Jacob, you are tricking him. But isn't that what deception does? Well, it seems to me that this might be wrong. It seems to you it might be wrong. It's wrong. Really? Yeah, there's some things like, I don't know, I'm not sure, I think maybe. Really? You don't have to think that hard according to the Word of God. It's not, it would appear that we're tricking him. You think? But isn't that what deception comes in? And deception causes us to say things like, it might, it seems, it appears, it could be. But the confidence of God's Word, God's word causes us to say, thus saith the Lord. This is the way. Walk in it. And so here it is. Jacob says, but he's hairy, I'm not. Mom says, not a problem. I'll put Esau's clothes on you, and I'll take goat skin. And I'll put goat skin on your arms and on your neck. That's kind of disgusting. But doesn't it just seem true that when we become so deceived by sin, it causes us to do some disgusting things? Sin causes us to do some disgusting things. And I'm not here pointing a finger to say, oh, you're disgusting. No, I'm here pointing a finger and say, oh, God, man, I've, I've disgusted you at times. Jacob comes in and he's got all this and he goes up to his dad and he does this whole process. He tricks Esau, of course, meant hairy man. <laughs> Jacob meant deceiver. And the hairy man got deceived But you know the Bible also says whatever a man sows that we reap. Jacob runs away to Laban's house and after seven years of working at at Laban's house, Jacob said it's time to get married. He did it the right way. He waited till marriage. On his wedding night, he thought he was getting the young one and he ended up with the older daughter. And the same thing he did to his brother came back and got him on the other time around you reap what you sow you reap what you sow he got caught in a place 
and you end up working another seven years. You know what? Here it is. That the first step to deception is cover up. What's Jacob go along with? Jacob says, well, I'll put goat skin on and I'll cover up. Church, don't get good at covering up your sin. Don't get good at nobody needs to know. Don't get good at we practice this when so-and-so's around, but we do something different when they're not. Don't get good at we do this when we're in church, but we don't when we're here. Don't get good at this only applies to certain circumstances and situations. Don't ever get good at as long as so-and-so doesn't know about it. Because if all your work or your relationship and the things you do for God are built around so-and-so, you got to ask yourself if you're living to pretend or make-believe or if you really know Jesus. Or do you just want to get in with the people who do? Or you just want to get in with those who are looking? Because cover-up gives way to complacency. Complacency has an attitude that says, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. It goes from cover-up to complacency. And lastly, cold-heartedness. Listen what the Bible says in Matthew 24. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people in the last days. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. See, there's danger in our lives and I want to ask you this question. Is there something in your life that you've been covering up? Is there something in your life that you become complacent with and made no big deal? Is there something in your life that that you've allowed or maybe not allowed but you've just become cold hearted oh God guard my heart God guard my heart the Bible says in 1 John 1 8-9 if we claim we have no sin we deceive ourselves and are not living in the truth but if we confess our sins to him he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness aren't you thankful for the cleansing power of Jesus Christ the purpose this morning is not to leave here the purpose this morning is not to leave here and say oh man I'm a failure the purpose is to leave here and saying yes I've made mistakes I've allowed this deception But you know the word that says in James that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to you? Here's something powerful to think about. If I take one step to God, the Bible says when I come to him, he draws near to me. If I take one step to God, how many know his step is a lot bigger than mine? Can I tell you how big his is? One small step for man, but one giant leap for God Almighty. Because his step, when you take one step to him, His step is so big that he walks over however many days, months, years, and decades of your failure. His step is so great that he can walk over your past and your failure and make today a brand new day in your life that he can set things and make all things new and you don't live according to what you were because all you need to do is take one step to him and he'll take one giant leap to you. He'll meet you in that place. 
He'll meet you in that place. This scripture, 1 John, it says, if anyone says they don't have sin, they deceive themselves and the truth is not in them. That's where the Bible says that we are children of the light and talks about the light. I have had times where I've gone in my, in my bedroom and I've gotten dressed. I've put an outfit on and in the, in the uh, bedroom, in the lighting there, outfit looks all right. I walk out into the kitchen and there's sunlight altogether different. My wife just looks at me and says, it looked good in the bedroom. Well, the lighting's different out here. And I've had this thought before. I don't feel like changing, so I'll just stay in dim places. I want to ask you that spiritually. Isn't that true sometimes? Because the light reveals things that we don't always like. We're like, ooh, that's a light. I'll step back in the dark. And we've sometimes lived our lives instead of walking in the light of his glory, just hiding in the shadows of our make-believe. Oh, there's a shadow. Just stay in the shadows. It doesn't match. I'll just stay in the shadow. In this light, it looks good. In this lighting, good outfit. But in the sunlight, ooh, that's not quite matching. God didn't call us to live in the shadows in a make-believe called us to live in the light of his glory and you say oh but that's vulnerable be honest with you I'd rather stand in a relationship with Jesus Christ exposed in my weaknesses than to live in the shadows covering myself I'd rather stand in the light of his glory exposed in my weaknesses and covered by his grace than to stand in the shadows and try and cover myself so this morning, are you living a cartoon life? Or are you living the real deal in our lives? Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.